Welcome back to the Second Take Podcast. We're here on episode seven with some more hot takes, um, some crazy topics. And before we get into the episode, I'm going to give you all a little rundown. So if you all haven't noticed, um, we have started up an Instagram account to post all our news and updates on the episodes. We we do have a personal life, so uh, we have some right. some stuff going on during the weeks. We might have an episode delayed, but regardless, we have a special thing coming for y'all in episode 10. We have a posted, recorded to YouTube podcast for KOK Wings and Things with the CEO, Corey McCoy, on there. Um we're going to give our takes, you know, have our drinks, you know, give our alcohol-influenced answers. And nevertheless, let's get into Episode 7. All right. Going into Episode 7, we have a couple topics today that will pique everyone's interest. We have – we will be talking about the match between Brady and Rodgers and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. We'll be talking about which quarterback is most under pressure when it comes to this NFL season. We'll be talking about elite pass rushers, specifically Miles Garrett and TJ Watt. We will be talking about GOAT talk between Tom Brady and Michael Jordan. We will also be talking about our the NBA, the finals between the Celtics and the Warriors. We'll be talking about what has built up to this point. We'll also be talking about Zion Williams and will he stay in New Orleans. We'll also be talking about should KD have left Golden State. Fuck the Nets. Fuck the Nets. And we'll also be talking about the Jock peterson and tommy fan beef and to conclude the episode we will be giving our final takes so we start today's episode with the match brady rogers versus allen and mahomes okay real quick before we get into this what is everybody drinking today let's let, let's put this into the air i got a screwdriver screwdriver i got some seltzer though um drinking right now I drank a Coors, a Bud Light, now I'm on Dos Equis. Oh, yeah, no, we we took a couple shots, too. Yeah. Don't really remember. Yeah. Had a Budweiser so, and a Coors Light, I think it was. Yeah. yeah Let's get into shots. it. Let's so, get into it. Well, I'm going to start us off with the match. Yeah, so I, I, I think, you know, I don't think y'all two are huge golf fans, but it, it was kind of exciting, you know, seeing golf fans and football fans come together. You know, you see four quarterbacks aside, put, put aside their football competitiveness on the field um, to, to raise – awareness for you know a good cause but also to have fun as well um brady's brady and rogers you know went up too early in the match where Allen and mahomes you know they made a few clutch putts here and there to get it back even and then finally um brady and rogers won the, the 12 hole exhibition on the final putt um to put them away um you know s- some of the things that was, that was pretty funny it was charles barkley was commentating half of it and and yes. some of the quotes that he had was just hilarious so I have one here. It says, that's the one good thing about doing golf, man. I don't have to be around that idiot. And he's talking about Shaq. He says, it's more beautiful when Shaq's not here. My life is way better when he's not around. I, th- I think it was just so funny. Like, where, you know, it's, it's not just about the, the game itself, but it's, you know, just trying to bring awareness and, and, and trying just to have fun. I mean, the cool part about it is it's like, it's real people. Like, they're yeah. still real people. They're, I mean, yes, they're super athletes, but in – in the grand scheme of things, they're still real people playing. Yeah. Right. And, and some of the things I took away from it, that those fans were had to be on high alert. As, right. a, as a golfer, mm-hmm. I shank a lot of balls. So w- watching them play and them shank, shanking so half I, their balls to the right. I did see a couple. Those fans had to, been on, had, had to have been on high alert. I seen a couple of uh, Tom Brady shanks to the right. Oh, yeah. I saw a couple oh, yeah. of Josh Allen drives right into people, yeah. too. So. And, and the the... the the back and forth between like Josh Allen and 
Pat and um, Patrick and Brady and things like that. Uh, one of the funniest quotes I thought I think I can't remember what teal was or, or what hole it was, but um, Brady actually chunked it and said a little Josh Allen a little chunky. And I thought that was just so I don't know why I was like that's so messed up, but it's so funny at the same time. Um, I, I saw one time where I think Patrick Mahomes hit a bad shot and they were kind of there they were interviewing interviewing him on the cart. And he went straight to a course like he was like, ah, oh, I, I gotta get it in my, my right frame of mind. I was like, you know what? He's just like one of us. You know, you hit a bad shot, you go, you go straight to the to the um, to the beer. Straight to. And the then beer. lastly, you know, the Josh Allen and Brady trolls. Um, I remember one time when Brady, he showed him a ball. And he was like, Josh, you ever seen one of these before? And it was a little Lombardi trophy. And then Josh Allen had a had a had a picture of his oh his, com- combine, his combine yeah. And it was like, oh, uh, I I've, I bet you know no one wants to see this or something like that. So it, it it was just funny to see to see um you know those those quarterbacks go at it. Um Brady in, in the match and over overall was 0 and 2. So he was kind of due for for a win here and there. Um and I'm 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 glad they got it done. For me, I look at it as because I obviously Josh Allen fan here speaking. So I saw it as more of an old men versus the 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 next generation. I did see that Rodgers clutch walk off putt. That was pretty nice. Um, I did learn that Josh Allen is a huge trash talker, mm-hmm. which is kind of insane. I thought he was just one of those not not talkative hillbilly farm boys. Not the case. Also, my favorite quote that came out of there was DraftKings talking about uh, that's one part that you were talking about, the Patrick Mahomes drinking the cores on the cart. They were saying, confirmed. Beer does make you better at golf. And oh I yeah, hundred like, percent makes you better at everything. What do you mean? Yeah, I've experienced that. I've experienced that a lot of times. I shank a ball right, or I hook a ball. And I'm like, you know what? Just give me a course. Give me an ultra. <laughs> Toss me a course. <laughs> you know, it's gonna be a long day. It's gonna be. A- Dave, what you got about the match? Okay. So it was a 12 hole contest at Wynn Golf Club in Las Vegas. Um, of course, y'all know the stars that were there. Um. Rodgers, Brady, against Allen and Mahomes. So, Rodgers and Brady won one up against Allen and Mahomes. Josh Allen used a golf ball with <laughs> Brady's combine photo yeah. on it, as long one has said. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one thing that y'all didn't touch on is Tom Brady getting lost on the course. So, he was driving the golf cart and got lost on one of the, fairy, oh, I didn't the know fairways. That. I didn't see that. I didn't either. Yeah, so that was that was very funny. Um, that a boy, Tom. He doesn't even know half the things he's doing. So, so bringing up Mahomes drinking the, these cores, okay? Uh, Mahomes lost the first two holes, and then he cracked open a cores and won the next the next two. So, like, obviously, you know that was the that was the go getter. Yeah. That was that yeah. was the thing to compete. Yeah. That was that was his performance enhancing drug that day. Beer was the cores light and. You know, that's so appropriate for this podcast, you know, being the most alcohol-influenced takes you could ever hear in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so an hour later, they drove down the, ser- the seventh fairway and tied up. Mahomes then tells the camera that he's on his fourth drink. So if you're telling the <laughs> oh, camera that. that you're on your fourth drink, Damn. you're like, these dudes can't beat me. 
I'm I'm drunk. He's like the drunken fist of the fucking golf. And it, for, for most of the most of the match, he was he was balling out. I think exactly. his back was hurting from carrying Josh the entire time. <laughs> no, 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 no offense Josh to him. Josh was a, just talking he's, shit, he's, but he was he, doing right. Nothing. He's he's a great football player, but when it comes to golf, you know. And uh, he's, uh, he's another there to talk uh, shit. Yeah. Another thing y'all both touched on was the Charles Barkley's commentary. So this I'm I'm gonna say this quote because it's so it is so appropriate for this podcast. Us being just trash, just talking about your ain't that the truth? The best, <laughs> the best topics in sports for the week. So Charles Barkley says, "Listen, you can't play golf and not drink. It's the only sport they let you drink while you're playing it, and there's a reason why. Because it's the most unbeatable game in the world." <laughs> what a fucking goat! What a fucking amazing <laughs> man for supporting alcohol influenced sports. I feel like it would be a great idea. More so, what you're telling me is that more PGA tours should be, yes, drunken. I'm trying to see Tiger Woods just like his DUI picture. <laughs> oh man, driving down the you know, course. It's, it's saying that you two should get into golf and come come play with me <laughs> just to drink a few beers, even even if we don't play good, just to, to drink a few beers for just a couple let's hours. Get, let's get fucked up and just yeah. get the fuck out these golf balls. <laughs> and I'm saying, and I'll, I'll, for yeah, a lot of mine go right and have to say four have had the time, but you know, is what it is. But yeah, it, it, it was a good match overall. Um, it was very competitive. Um, that's something that we all wanted to see. We didn't want, really want to see, you know, Brady and Rodgers go up early and then just kind of put them away um, early in the in the match. Uh, but overall, it was it was it was fun to watch. It was. Now, we move on from there. We move on to quarterbacks in the NFL. Who, in our opinion, is under the most pressure and the most heat when it comes to this season, Dave? Well, I've kind of touched on this all season. I never fail to leave out a Miami Dolphins take, but to attack Valoa. Oh, I didn't expect that at all. He is under the most pressure this season. So you see they hire a new offensive coach, definitely offensive-minded. You know, he can scheme better than any of his previous offensive coaches, and that's a fact. We've seen what he's done in San Francisco. Um, The obvious reason, miraculously traded for Tyreek Hill. That was a shock on the season to the whole NFL world. Right. Whether you like the move or not, I mean, it was just insane. But now that you think about it, it's a it's it's an environment that you can see Tyreek Hill in, enjoying South Beach, enjoying living there, enjoying playing for the team. And it, it it's been rumored that he was not a fan of Tua's arm, you know, going from Patrick Mahomes to Tua. I mean, but about the more that he's practiced with him, he's learned to love it. Um, what? teaming with Jalen Waddle brings Miami to like godly speed at receivers to terrorize the secondaries, especially in their own division. You know, maybe the only people they'll have trouble with is maybe the Buffalo Bills if Micah Hyde can keep up, if Trey White can keep up if he's healthy. I hate to I hate to bash you like that. I don't know. What I'm just saying they have good pass rushers. It's all right. Um. So, in addition of Teron Armstead, too, who is the number one free agent, not the number one offensive lineman, but hurt. the number one free agent been hurt. this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that helps solidify the offensive line that did not have, you know, if he can stay healthy. Aquated. What? I'm just saying. He, he's been hurt. I'm just telling you facts. <sighs> you just, I, I, I'm, I'm telling having you, faith I'm, as a fan. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, he's, he's been hurt. But that's, that's, it helps solidify yeah, the protection. You yeah. know, it gives that veteran presence to Robert Hunt. If he's healthy. From, that's all I'm saying. The that's University saying. of Louisiana Lafayette. He is healthy as so far. He is healthy so far. Mm, okay. 
Um, so the bad part is two averages six point six yards per an attempt, but expect this expect this to increase with the speed on the outside and then having Gasecki go down the seams. So you sign into a franchise tag, you see something in this tight end. But at the same time, you're waiting. If if he gives you that super stellar standout year, he's been maybe, you know, top top seven tight ends of the year. But if he gives you that major setting, like a Mark Andrews type receiver of a tight end, then you're going to sign him to one of the max contracts. You're going to make sure he's a solidified piece for a while. Um... Tua should have an advantage, but, you know, a division with Bill Belichick and the Bills, you can never tell what's going to happen. It's going to be tough competition. I still see the New England Patriots finishing after the Miami Dolphins. The New England Patriots finishing at third, the Dolphins finishing at second, with the Bills taking the first in the division. Um, And honorable mention is Lamar Jackson. Now, a lot of people don't think he's under enough pressure, but – He's going into proving what he's worth. You know, he's last year on his rookie contract. He's going to come in and try to get one of these Mahomes-type deals. But at the same time, he's not a gifted passer. He can, but he's not a gifted passer, so he's going to have to prove it this year. See, for that one, I would take that the Ravens are under more heat than Lamar Jackson. Agree. Not replacing his number one receiving option. I mean, not giving him a receiver, not signing him to a deal yet. And basically just throwing him out there to just fight for himself for this season. I'd it's say like make it work. Like that that's what you're telling so me. So and that so I was gonna put Lamar, but it's not more Lamar, it's more the Ravens. Right. It's more under heat. But for my quarterbacks that I have, I mean, we're gonna start off in Pittsburgh. Mitch Berg, I think mm, Really? He's, he's under Really small hand man. Really? I mean He was behind Josh Allen last year. Yeah. What 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 do you expect out of him when he goes to Pittsburgh? I'm not so worried about him. I'm more no, because because that's essentially the question is who's under the most pressure. Him, because but he has no expectations coming into that. He's been he's he's been sitting for a year. Yeah, but Mike Tomlin. This is your you know, time to prove it. I think is what Adam's trying to say. Mike Tomlin has a streak right now where I don't think he's had a losing season. No, yeah, he hasn't. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So now and that's was, put on the weight of the quarterback. Not necessarily. You're it's, right. It's it's not just on him. It's on the 50% whole team. Fifty percent of the eleven players on defense. The other fifty or twenty five percent is on the quarterback. Uh, and I, then twenty five on the rest of the team. Line, I feel like, like the quarterback's the most important position, considering they touch the no, ball every single play. But at the same time, though, what ex- like I said, All what expectations do you have of Mitchell Trubisky in this first year? Of he has to go above five hundred. Okay. Regardless, okay. whoever's the quarterback okay. in Pittsburgh so, has to go over 500 absolutely. if it's going to save Mike Thomas' absolutely. career. But we, we haven't seen Mitchell Trubisky in over a year. He did. We, for the games that he played this season in Buffalo, yes, Buffalo was up. Yes, Josh Allen never missed a start, I don't think. So, yes, he was going into a game that so, he already w- had solidified. So, he's coming into but a he situation. Looked, he still looked good. He's still coming into a situation where, obviously, Big Ben had retired and things like that, but he hasn't played in over a year. What expectations do you have of him? He's he's been on the bench for a year behind Josh Allen. It's not what I'm putting on him. It's what the city of Pittsburgh and Mike Tomlin's reputation. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. I'll, I'll put more pressure on the defense when it comes to that. Well, because, they're, they're obviously going to do better than him because you have a, a first year quarterback coming in. We don't want to put too much pressure on you. We want to put all the pressure on on our defense with T.J. Watt, with Cam Hayward, with um, uh, Devin Bush, with Miles Jack, all those guys. We're going to put more pressure on you to make sure that Mitchell Drabisky feels comfortable. 
Now, whenever we go throughout the season, if he doesn't improve, then then that's one thing. But at the same time, though, there aren't really that much expectations for Mitchell Trubisky because he hasn't played in over a year. I mean, I understand what you're saying. More pressure's on the defense. But eventually you're going to have to score points in a game. Yeah. No, no, I agree with Which that. Which is going to be driven through. No, because and, and here's and you, the thing too: you can't run we, the ball no. with Najee for no. a whole game. And, and and his work his workload is going to be reduced um, throughout the season. But I will say this: is that you're absolutely right. You have to score points, but at the same time, though, you were effective and efficient with Ben Roethlisberger as your quarterback. A walking contradiction as a quarterback. A walking refrigerator. Prefer, I was about to say that a refrigerator as your quarterback. Now you have Mitchell Trubisky, someone that can get outside the pocket. That boy's that got mobility as much as a microwave, bro. Yeah. So you have a, a much more mobile, um, a mobile quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that there's enough, a lot of pressure on him, but it's a, it's an, not, I wouldn't say an upgrade over Big Ben because Big Ben has been has had a Hall of Fame career for Pittsburgh, but in terms of his speed, it's going to be a much, much needed thing for the quarterback position in Pittsburgh. I That's why I put more pressure on the defense. Because the defense is not going to be on the field as as much as they were in 2021. They're not going to be out there as much as they once were with Big Ben as your quarterback. When you go three and out, and you have to give the defense, you know, hey, go, go make a stop for me. That's every week that Big that Ben Roethlisberger was our quarterback. Now you put Mitchell Trubisky in there, I think that more pressure is on them. They have to, they have to prove that with a mobile quarterback as, their, as you know, the, the face of Pittsburgh, that you can still go out there and be an effective defense. I still have two quarterbacks. I don't I'm sorry. <laughs> so another quarterback I want to talk about is uh whoever the whoever the fuck's gonna be snapping the ball in Carolina, whether that be Cam Newton, whether that be who they get Colin wh- Kaepernick. Who was who was their uh, who was their draft pick? They got Corral. Yeah, Matt Corral. Matt Corral. Whether, whether, it be, whether it be Corral or whether it be Sam Darnold, I, I think who knows. I think whoever gets under the center is gonna be under the most pressure for Matt Rule. And that team. But, like, if it's Sam Darnold, if it ends up being Sam Darnold, this is it. This is your last go. You don't get any more chances. If not, you're going to end up like Josh Rosen. No, you're going to end up like Johnny Manziel, who's playing for the XFL and smoking yeah. points after touchdown. Yeah, him too. So, this is it. This is your last run, no matter what. If you do good, congratulations. You solidified a backup role at any other team. But you are not starting on another football team after this Never. Season. Probably not, yeah. So unless you have some Hall of Fame stats six games in, he, there's no chance for him. He's he's definitely under a lot of heat. And then my last is Baker Mayfield. Who the fuck? Hey, he was excused from minicamp. Which I is saw that. so? Who I saw the that. fuck knows what's going to happen with him? It hurt me looking at that um, looking at that topic pop up on SportsCenter because I was like, so you excuse, which is now. Your starting quarterback because now you're because who knows what's going to happen with Deshaun? Exactly. I, was, I was literally about to say that, yeah. Because your your yeah. quarterback that you signed is now under the most heat out of every quarterback in the last maybe five or so years. Yeah, he is getting more allegations day day in and day out. You don't know whether he's going to be starting, and then as a franchise, you're going to say, okay, to our potential backup quarterback. You're excused from practice. On a today. quick side note, did you see that the Texans organization would help him get hotel rooms? Mm-hmm. He would help. They would help that. him get hotel rooms and hire mas- masseuses. 
I did, I did masseuse. see that they were they they just got involved with the with the case. I did so see like that. that that shit is crazy. That shows you how D Hop was right, how Andre Johnson was right, how everybody else who played for that Texans organization was right. Honey Badger, that is a corrupt organization. They're right there along with the Commanders. Mm. Nah, the Commanders at least they can't find a team or they can't find a name, but at least they have somewhat of a football team. Houston has never had a football team besides when they had Deshaun Watson and D Hop. I don't think that city's gonna have a football team in the next five years. But besides that, Baker again, the Browns are just a horrible organization for saying we're gonna sign Deshaun Watson. Oh no. Uh for a ungodly amount of money and then excuse our quarterback from our backup quarterback from practice and Listen, if he ends up starting, which it looks like he will be, Baker will be starting the season. Yeah. Because with more more information coming out day by day about Deshaun Watson, it seems like he's going to be suspended. Baker has weapons. So he has the capability of having a good season. So he needs to make up for the last, what, two or three seasons he's been in the league and sucked it up in in Cleveland. So that's... That's what I got to say. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to Baker a little bit for playing with a basically ruined shoulder last year, but that doesn't make up for your many years before, you know. I just, you know, if you're hurt, you're hurt. Get yeah. out. Don't try to force it. Right. Force. I don't care if it's your non-throwing shoulder. Just go sit, let the backup win like two of the last ten games. You already lost the season by you being out, so just, just call it. Don't hurt yourself more. Allman, what quarterbacks you got under pressure? I'm very surprised that none of y'all said this one. Dak Prescott. Who cares? He's Dak just going to fucking get paid anyway because Jerry Jones is a paid. horrible owner. He already got paid. Exactly. So I think since 2018, he hasn't really been that that superstar quarterback, and that was a Pro Bowl year. He also right. lost an ankle. Well, yeah, yeah that too. That shit was but backwards. at the same time, though, he comes back a year off of that, and he still doesn't – I mean, he, he brings them to, what, 11-5, and 11-4, whatever they were. But then they lose to San Francisco. That was just horrible coaching. Yeah. That game was just horrible coaching. Yeah. I can't even blame das- Dak Prescott for that game. No, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's your job as the quarterback to, to lead them and be able to score a lot more points than what you actually did against San Francisco, in my opinion. You know, you're at home. You have the, the fans on your side. So, you, what are, so what do you think about Green Bay when they played San Francisco at home? In the frozen I mean, that was, was a choke job by Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all I'll say about that. Um, I'm not saying he's under the most pressure because we already know what Aaron Rodgers is about. We know that Aaron Rodgers has a ceiling. He's reached that ceiling already. He's won a Super Bowl. Yeah, I think he might have even been back to another Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe not. No. Um, he, I, I know he won one against Pittsburgh in 2010, I think it was. Yep. Um, so we, we, we kind of know his ceiling already. But for Dak Prescott, you know, recently he signed a four-year $160 million contract, which was worth up to $164 million through, through incentives. Um, and the deal was 126 million guaranteed, right? Or of guarantees, um, and at um, at signing, he had a 95 million fully guaranteed signing bonus, guaranteed. And that, for me, is the number one reason why he's under the most pressure. He is tied with the guy that just won the Super Bowl in Matt Stafford in terms of cap space. He only falls behind Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Derek Carr. You mean to tell me that Dak Prescott is tied with or behind, I'm sorry, he's tied with the guy that just won the Super Bowl and behind those elite quarterbacks. 
I don't buy it. When it comes no. to money you're talking about? Yeah. This, yeah, the, yeah. This yeah. is how I feel about the Cowboys situation. Every player who plays with the Cowboys know if they just suck it up and be the boy for the franchise, Jerry Jones will pay them. Yeah. So I feel like Dak Prescott never wanted to be little Jerry Jones's boy how Des Bryant wanted to be. Yeah. But he realized that he had to come to terms with a contract that's going to pay him. So the Cowboys were preaching to Dak Prescott, you're that guy. You're that guy we want to go with. You're you're the quarterback. You're the quarterback of America's team, air quotes. You know what yeah, I'm saying? So he wanted to get paid like that guy. He's seen his running back who never perform who never performed after after I believe it was it was his rookie season or his sophomore season. Yeah, something like that. He never really performed. So he's seen his running back get paid. He's seen his old wide receiver Des Bryant get paid. Yep. He's seen Amari get paid. He's seen everybody get paid but him. But so if they're preaching to him that he's that guy, he wants to get paid. And I can't blame yeah. him for that. No. I can't. But no. he's not. No. He's not. No, but at the same time, though, that's one of the points I was going to bring up is his record with Amari versus without Amari. Right. So with Amari, he has a passer rating of 102.9 with 13,084 yards, 88 touchdowns, and 29 interceptions in 44 games with Amari on the field. Without Amari, he has a passer rating of 93.2. 8,999 yards, 55 touchdowns, and 23 interceptions in 41 games. That's the biggest factor for me, is that you can be paid as one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. And not produce like one. Yeah. But now you don't have your number one receiver. So it now becomes, can you do the same with CeeDee Lamb, or are you not that guy? And, right. that, and that's the biggest thing for me. And one another thing I want to bring up is the regular season versus the postseason. So as I said on this before, the postseason to me matters. In the regular season, Dak Prescott, he's a really good player. He has a 67 completion completion percentage, a passer rating of 98 and 8.7 yards per attempt, and a 3-to-1 touchdown to interception ratio. Okay. In the postseason, he has a 60% completion percentage, a passer rating of 87, 7 yards per attempt, and then 2-to-1 touchdown to interception ratio. So you mean to tell me that the guy that's tied with Matt Stafford, who just won the Super Bowl, is effective in the regular season, but when it comes postseason time, he's not—he's nowhere to be found. I mean, that's the biggest thing for me. That's not even—I I wouldn't blame that all. I mean, I'd blame it maybe seventy-five percent on Dak Prescott being. I definitely believe that. But last season against San Francisco, that was not Dak Prescott's fault. I that mean, was Mike McCarthy's stupid ass for trying to do that shit. It wasn't, but at the same time, he's leading the offense. All right. That's that's the thing for me is that you can say that, but who was the guy with the, the with, with the ball in their hands? I mean, you're talking about his pay. That's not – he can't control how – I mean, he can agree to how much he gets paid, but Jerry Jones is the one signing the No, but I, the I, what I'm trying to say is he has to show that he's worth that money. I'm not saying – I, I want to make something very clear. I'm not saying that NFL players should not be paid – what they think or what they want to be paid. You know what I mean? Like, they should be paid as, paid as much as they, they, sh- they should get. You know, if Jerry Jones says, hey, I'll, s- I'll sign a check for $160 million, you know, where's the dotted line? I'll, I'll sign right now kind of thing. All I'm saying is he hasn't proven, in my eyes, that he's worth that money. And that's, that's another thing is you have to go back and look at how much Jerry Jones has overpaid players. Like that, he has a history of that. And whether he thinks Dak Prescott is that guy or not, he's overpaid because yeah. he is not on Patrick Mahomes' level. No. And he's getting paid Patrick Mahomes' money. Yeah. 
And that's it's as simple as that. And, and that's the biggest problem I have. He's tied in terms of cap space and how much money he's getting paid with a guy that just won the Super Bowl, Matt Stafford. You mean to tell me that those two are on the same level? I no. mean, in the words of Amari Cooper, you are just the black Kirk Cousins. Was the exact words he told Dak That's Prescott. That's exactly what he, he said. I don't know that. Amari Cooper told that to Dak Prescott right after they had lost to San Francisco. Yeah, I can, I can get on board with that. And you're talking about someone who constantly gets franchise tagged every season, basically, by the Vikings. See, but and the thing, too, is Jerry Jones got scared. So whenever they were tagging Dak, they knew they had to pay him, but they weren't willing to pay what he wanted. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, he's saying, you need me. I don't need this. I can go to another team and find that someone's going to pay me more. I think what really helped Dak Prescott in that whole um, debacle was the games before his injury when he yep. threw for 400-plus yards. Yep. He showed them that, like, I got this explosiveness. And we could debate all day on whether he does or not, but he put up them 400-plus yard games in front of Jerry Jones while he's arguing for a contract. And he, you know, God forbid, I don't ever want to see a player get hurt, but he had a pretty bad ankle injury and was out for the rest of the year, basically. So I feel like he really put Jerry Jones on the hot seat after that. And that's the thing, too. When he went down with that injury, they were not good. Andy right. Dalton as their quarterback was not was not the answer. Right. So whenever it come to contract negotiations, he said, "Look, look what your record was whenever I wasn't on the field. You need me. I don't need you. You need me." So when that's right. that's when Jerry Jones says, "You know what? Even though I might not believe you're worth that money, I'm going to pay you the money that you want." And that's the biggest thing for me. If if you're getting paid all this money, you have to show that. And for me, a few playoff wins and however many shows you. However many seasons you've been in the NFL, just doesn't cut it. Do you have any other quarterbacks? Or just no, that? just Dak, yeah. Just Dak? I was going to say Tua, but I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stick to one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick to Dak. I covered Tua. Trust me. <laughs> so you covered Tua. I covered Mitch, and you just you just went Dak, full Dak. Just still don't agree with the Mitch, but whatever. Whatever. <laughs> All right, but we move on from quarterbacks to edge rushers, specifically two of them. The two – one of the – Two of the scariest edge rushers, in my opinion, and Miles Garrett and T.J. Watt. Longman, I'm going to let you start it off because we're talking about your homegrown T.J. Watt. You already know where I'm going with this. T.J. Watt. So let's not act like T.J. Watt and Miles Garrett were drafted in two different draft classes. They were both drafted in 2017. It just so happened that one was the first overall pick and the other one was the 30th overall pick. Mm. So let's break it down for kind of what it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's start. Let's you know what. Let's start off with Miles Garrett. What? And and sixty eight games played. What? He has zero interceptions. What? Nine pass deflections. What? Stop that. Eleven forced fumbles. What? Oh my. Fifty nine sacks. What? Two hundred and three total tackles, and then one hundred and forty solo tackles, sixty three assisted tackles, and fifty nine tackles for loss. What? Right. Here's TJ Watt stats. In 77 games played, but he was also out three or four games this past year. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's take let's, let's let's take that to account. He has four interceptions. Right. He has 32 pass, pass deflections. Oof. He has 22 forced fumbles, 72 sacks, 294 total tackles, 216 solo tackles, 78 assisted tackles, and 80 tackles for loss. And I also want to bring up something. 
Pittsburgh obviously has not achieved what Pittsburgh fans want them to. The steel they, curtain, huh? Yeah. They haven't been back to the, the AFC Championship game. They haven't been back to the Super Bowl. But when we talk about Miles Garrett versus T.J. Watt, when we talk about T.J. Watt in particular, the most fourth quarter and overtime sacks in 2021, T.J. Watt led with eight. Nick Bosa with seven. Aaron Donald with 6.5. Marcus Golden with five. Mm. And then there were six others that were tied with 4.5. T.J. Watt is coming up in clutch games in the biggest moments. You cannot discredit that. I can't disagree with it either because those are right. numbers and those are facts. Numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. And guess what? It's in the past and so it's cemented. Right. What? So I, I before Adam gets into his takes, is Miles Garrett going to be equipped with a helmet to swing at your quarterback? This Stop year? that. <laughs> Stop that. Should have been arrested for that, but whatever. <laughs> okay, Adam, continue with your take. What 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 did that have to do with anything? Uh, he just wanted to be okay. Okay, be funny, nice and nice little nice little humor in this place. I mean, all I gotta say is, I mean, you got Miles Garrett. He's six four, two seventy one, the all O line destroyer, and is literally carrying the Browns defense. But I had a left tackle that was a rookie last year that made him look invincible. You're not letting me invincible. finish. I'm, my I'm, 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 I'm just I'm just bringing up the facts. When you watch the game. Our left tackle on Dan Moore, I'm, a rookie I'm like, out of Texas A&M, made Longman, him look invisible. Longman, I am I am like the pregame announcer. I am giving random. I'm just saying. I'm giving just the saying. height, the weight. I'm giving him two descriptions about each player. I'm just giving facts. That's, all, that, that's all I'm doing. I'm just giving facts. So, TJ Watt, also 6'4", 251, gives mad black Air Force energy and might be criminally insane. Because just, just based off of the pictures that I've seen of him and his – screenshot on madden he looks like he has very evil intentions when it comes to being on the d-line i mean you pointed out last season miles garrett had one forced fumble one fumble recovery 16 sacks 31 solo tackles 17 tackles for a loss tj watt had five forced fumbles three fumble recoveries 12 and a half sacks 48 solo tackles 21 tackles for loss and one Defense, did he win defensive player yep. of the year? And then he and, missed three games with injury. And missed three three games. Or, yeah, three games with an injury. So, I mean, with your with your facts, with my facts, it's easy to say T.J. Watt's better. And it's, just, it's, not, it's not easy because of that. It's also the truth. Yeah. T.J. Watt is just better than yep. Miles Garrett. So, but before you go, Dave, I want to say this. Last year, there was a lot of people that said that the Browns would be in the Super Bowl. Right. They had Odell Beckham <laughs> Jr. They had Jarvis Landry. Imagine. They had Baker Mayfield. Miles Garrett. Did they even make the playoffs last year? Mm. No. Y'all did. did. Did the Steelers make the playoffs? Yeah. Mm. Who, who, who do we have as our quarterback? Big Ben. Um, a refrigerator? Who, who <laughs> do we have leaving our defense? A London clock. You had Big Ben. TJ Watt. We had Cam Hayward. Defense? You had so the scariest with, man on the D-line. When people were doubting us out and saying we would finish maybe fourth in the division. Wait, y'all also had Juju dancing on fucking emblems. He was, he was, he was also injured the entire year with the, soldier, with the shoulder injury, but that's oh. whatever. Still dancing. Still with dancing. everyone counting us out, we still made the playoffs. Not because of Big Ben, because Big Ben had reached 
the end of his career. And right. Not because blown of, out his fucking shoulder. Not because, because of TJ Watt in that though. defense. That's the reason we made the playoffs. Lies. You made the playoffs because of Daniel Carson and that fucking no. boot of his no. beating we, the no, Chargers. No. Oof. No, we we tied the Detroit Lions, which is the absolute low point Worst of the season. In and we somehow still made the playoffs <laughs> because that defense was elite. That defense came up in the biggest situations. The and cotton guess, curtain. And guess oh, and guess where the Browns were? Hmm. Probably in Cancun. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not playoff team. Your turn, Dave. Okay. Who's more of an elite pass rusher? So, first off, I want to start this off how these two players, Miles Garrett and TJ Watt, play two completely different positions. So, that has to be encountered to encountered for this argument. Um, they're both considered an edge, but Watt is an outside linebacker and Garrett is a defensive end. So, Yes, their primary responsibility is the same, but how they do it is entirely different. Um, it's also hard to tell and who, hard to determine who's a better pass rusher considering they play in different defensive schemes. Um, they play in a 3 4 defense, so and the listen, Browns play in 4 3. Listen, listen, listen. What are you talking about? TJ Watt is an outside linebacker in a 3 4 pack. Miles Garrett stands up a Correct. lot, too. Wow. Miles Garrett is a end, a defensive end, and a four-three pass. He's getting single cover while T.J. Watt's getting double covered. Okay, so this means that Miles Garrett is primarily filled gaps on run plays, but he does pursue the quarterback no matter what the defense is doing behind him. And to an extent that T.J. Watt, being in the scheme that he's in, he only pursues the quarterback on designed blitz plays. So. With that being That's said, false, but okay. with that being said, my opinion comes down to the amount of sacks, career sacks among the two. So, Watt leads Garrett with sixty-one to fifty-four point five with career sacks. So, considering we're talking about pass rushing, I believe that T.J. Watt is considerably better than Miles Garrett. But it's a gold medal. With that being said, I do think that Watt's supporting cast on the defensive line are better than the Browns. But I do okay. give I do give TJ Watt that uh, that victory. You know what? That's a good point. I I will concede that. It did say that. At the same time, though, he's getting double. E- even with Cam Hayward and all those different guys on the defensive line, he's still getting double teamed. And he just t- tied Michael Strahan with the all-time sacks record. With twenty three point five sacks. So do you not do you not think that Miles Garrett's getting double teamed on the defensive line? Yeah, but TJ Watt's actually getting to the quarterback through those double teams while Miles Garrett's getting because of his support. Let let no, Dave finish no, his take. No, Dave, because if you're getting double teamed, you're the you're either getting double teamed by the right guard and the right tackle or the left the left guard and the left tackle. But so they're both get, they're both no 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 they're both getting double teamed. You 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 can talk about the supporting cast. I'm I'm not disagreeing with that. I. I, I completely agree with that. But if the left guard and the left tackle are double teaming TJ Watt and the left guard and left tackle are double teaming Miles Garrett and TJ Watt is winning majority of those, what's the argument here? But don't you think his supporting cast has a lot to do with one of them getting through the line at least one time during the play? But they're still getting double teamed. But regardless, if if, if both of them are getting double teamed, I feel like the supporting cast has a lot to do with one of them breaking through the okay. line. Okay. Okay. So, who do you have as who's who's better? Last take. Just say a name. Who's better, Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt? At this point in the career, it's T.J. Watt, just because of the career sack totals. Perfect. Now we move on from football. We move on to 
goat talk. Who is the better of the two goats? I know we're in two different sports here whenever we talk about Tom Brady and Michael Jordan, but both accomplished a lot in their time being in their profession. So who is the goat of goats when it comes between those two? So I'm going to keep this relatively short. Um, first, we look at the stats into their own right. Longman knows I love the stat take. Yep. Um, so Jordan has six championships to Brady seven, respected in their own rights being different sports. Um, Brady is still in the league, continue, continuously pursue, pursuing that number eight championship. Um, NBA players have already passed or are getting close to Jordan's records. Uh, Brady's closest competition is Aaron Rodgers and the previously retired Drew Brees. But it's hard to say that Aaron Rodgers is going to get six rings to at least tie up Tom Brady before he retires. Like, nobody really believes that Aaron Rodgers is going to win six more rings within his career being on the back end. Six more seasons. Yeah, exactly. So, with that being said, I do believe that tom brady is the goat of all sports but at the same time jordan has done something very different with the marketing and brand of sports so um the impact that the jordan company has made on the sports world through branding is so great that another company will not will not even touch it you know whether brady goes through any of these other clothing or shoe brands to gain popularity jordan will always have that that edge to all of the sports community and that's not everybody just, looks up to michael jordan exactly that's not just in his respective sport that's literally just literally the whole sports I world mean, you got fashion world you got just streetwear you got right. you, i mean he impacts beyond the game of basketball right tom brady mainly so, is just a football name. i guess what i'm what i'm getting at with my argument is tom brady's the better athlete, but Jordan is the better sports player. So, for my goat talk, I'm Brady is by far the best quarterback to ever touch the field. Right, and so, I, I, I don't think nobody's going to relatively get close to that. I think, I mean, I'm not going to be biased, but Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen are making very good strides to being the next uh, Tom Brady. Right. I don't think either of them will win as many championships as Tom Brady. Right. I think that is a one-in-a-generation talent that came through the NFL, and we are blessed to have witnesses, as much as I hate saying that about Tom Brady. Michael Jordan, to many, is the best basketball player. To me, to Longman, he's the best basketball player to ever touch foot on the court. And me and Longman could ride him as long as we wanted to talk about how great he is but there's still some people, you, that debate whether mm. or not he's the best player to ever touch Basketball the Basketball player, yes. Basketball player to ever touch the Yes. Court. Now, respect to both of them. They are both tremendous athletes when it comes to other sports as well. Correct. I watched Tom Brady just earlier play golf. He did really well in golf. Jordan does well in golf. Jordan played baseball. Multi-sport athlete. I... I don't think Brady can hit uh, underhanding pitching. I did. I did see him on TikTok hit some fucking dingers. Yeah, though. That was both. That was BP pitching. <laughs> like that was that wasn't an, an actual athlete talk, tossing him a ball. That's just BP. And he didn't even hit it out. He hit it to Gronk. So, I mean, I say overall, I think if we're talking go to goats, I'm putting. 
Brady above Jordan simply because Jordan was in Space Jam. You can't act. Wow. Can't act. You you ruined your reputation by acting. Wow. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. I cannot believe I'm hearing this right now. <laughs> wow. Because wow. of acting. Because wow. he was in Space Jam. You don't act, you might be on top. I say that to LeBron, too. LeBron tried to act, too. It didn't work out. That's why Jordan's always going to be better than LeBron. LeBron. LeBron acted worse than Jordan. 100%. Lawman, who's the go to goats? So when you talk about the goat of goats, the goat of sports, you're talking about them as an individual as to what they accomplished. As an individual. And the easy answer for me is Michael Jordan. Last time I checked, Brady won a Super Bowl because Adam Vinatieri had, had kicked a field goal. Oh, Lord. The reason I bring, no, 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 no. The reason I bring this up is when kickers miss a field goal, everybody wants them exiled from the game, from, from the game of football. However, you have to give them credit whenever they, whenever they make those field goals, too. That's number one. Number two, last time I checked, he's been to 10 Super Bowls and lost three. As great as Tom Brady has been. As great as he's been, he's the GOAT of, of, of all quarterbacks. I want to remind you that Michael Jeffrey Jordan, the greatest basketball player to ever live, ever, is number one on Mount Rushmore, six-time champion, six-time finals MVP, five-time M- M- NBA MVP, unblemished in championship competition, never even let a championship series get to game seven. Okay. I, I'll only say this because it's what came straight to my mind. He has, I know you say he never got to a game seven, but he still has seven games to win. Brady has one chance. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and, and that's a lot of wear and tear on his body. You can easily give up after the first or second game. You still have more to play. Brady has one game to play. And, and, and you can make that argument all you want, but Jordan still has, has six to seven games okay, to play. Okay, so all that, that wear and tear on his body, he could easily so have given let's, up. So let's bring it to a different extent. Okay. Where is Brady at in all time passing yards? First, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Where's Michael Jordan in all time points? What? Okay. That's. You, 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 you want to bring that up, that argument, okay? You want to bring up points. What I'm focused on is the efficiency. Okay. I'm focused on how effective you are as a leader. And Tom Brady, as, as I said, as great as he has been, as great as Tom Brady has been as the quarterback and the goat of all quarterbacks, Michael Jordan had to get Scottie Pippen. Okay, he had to get these other guys to help him get past the Detroit Pistons. Whereas in football, Tom Brady isn't facilitating the defense. He isn't facilitating the special teams. Michael Jordan is on the defense side of the ball. 82 games a year, mm, plus every, every playoff game he's played in, every series he's played in. That's what I mean. You can talk about seven games. I have no issue with that. But at the same time, though, you have to take into account that football plays 16 games. And then a, a, a few games after that, whereas the NBA plays 82 games, and they play other series after that. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Also, last time I checked, Tom Brady lost it. The Giants and Eli Manning, who struggled to complete 60% of his passes, twice to Tom Coughlin as the head coach versus Bill Belichick. They also lost to the Eagles with a backup quarterback in Nick Foles. Big dick Nick, they also, baby. They, they also... Should have lost another versus Seattle if Pete Carroll would actually handed the ball off to Marshawn Lynch. But that's, that, 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 that's, that's a different story. And like I said, he does not play defense or he does not play special teams. Michael Jordan put so much wear and tear on his body. 82 games plus the defensive side of the ball, the offensive side of the ball, 40-plus minutes a game. 
for however many seasons he played. I, don't, I probably 11, 12, 13, however many he played. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Michael Jordan was one of the most elite defenders of the game of basketball. He was an elite scorer. Okay. He facilitated that offense, where Tom Brady also facilitated the offense, but Michael Jordan also facilitated the defense. Tom Brady didn't do that. And that's why Michael Jordan, in my eyes, is the go to sports. That's a fair argument. I didn't, I didn't be blatant honest with you. Didn't think of it that way. It's a blatant, it's a great argument. Right. I like it. But we move on from the GOAT talk. We move on to our NBA topics for the day. First off, we're going to talk about the NBA Finals, how they're doing right now. Celtics are up 2-1. Um, all I got to say about that, about them being up 2-1, is Draymond is a villain. Like, he's just a straight-up arch-villain. Like, he got right on his podcast after to, to, to record one of those. I mean, he's just a villain. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's just an evil man on the court. He's playing football in yeah. a basketball arena. Yeah. Like, that's mean. Like, did you? I watched a video, and he was, like, not swinging on purpose, but he was, like, wailing his arms on Jason Tatum. Like, bro, you have malicious intent. He's setting, he's, like, blocking downfield for Steph Curry to shoot threes. Like, you're not playing basketball anymore. You're playing football. You're playing rugby. You're playing yep. football without pads. Yep. But Boston's still rolling. Golden State's still shooting. It, I, it's honestly looking like it's going to be a seven-game series. It's going to be a fun seven-game series to look at. Probably. But I think Boston definitely helped themselves by taking one in Golden State. Hmm. They the first game, too. Yeah. Hmm. Set, set an example early. Yep. Yep. Mm. I mean, yeah, Golden State came back, won that, and then Boston won at home. Yeah. I, w- I, w- I want to make something very clear that mm. I, I did say after they swept the nest, I was like, you know what? I don't know if anybody can stop them. But I will say, though, I did hop off the train. I did hop on the heat train. So I, I, I want to make that clear because I, I, know, I know what you're about to say. I know. I know what you're about Last to say. Last episode, I know we exactly agreed on public say. apologies if the Celtics were going to win. So can I get my two public apologies, please? Oh, I no, no. I, that's all him. He apolog- He got to Let me get it. No. Come on. Into the mic. No. Into, into the mic. The mic. Come on. Let me get it. We, I still believe in Steph, in I Steph will, Curry. I will but regardless, the Heat lost. They made it. The okay. Heat lost. Okay. So let me get you the apologies said, okay. to the Boston Celtics right now. Okay. Last podcast, no. you Come said on. if the Celtics no. make and the finals, And I, I agreed that I was going to apologize to the Heat if they won. I don't remember that. Let's get I, it. Come on. I will not say another word this whole podcast until you apologize. That's fine. Say I'm sorry for not believing in the Celtics. I believed in them from the se- the second ah, time. Stop that. No, I I literally said that if 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 they continue on the trajectory that they're on, then no one's gonna stop them when okay. they sweat the Nets four zero. With that information, let me let me go back a little bit. You know what? I'm sorry. I have. Does that make it feel yeah, better? Okay. okay. There, you. We there we go. There we go. We got it. We got it. I don't mean it, but okay. We got it. So going back to episode two, I have my notes from episode two out right now. I have the NBA playoff predictions. Go for it. My logical answer. Guess who it was? Guess who it was? Did you say the Boston Celtics? Guess who I've been riding with these whole playoffs? The The Boston Boston Celtics Celtics because of their elite defense. So they have two of the best on-ball defenders with Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown. So. Like I've been saying the whole playoffs, the Boston Celtics are battle tested because of their defense. So, God forbid, I never like I said earlier, I never want to see a player get hurt. But Steph Curry got hurt last night. He does. Ex- he's he got, is he's, expected yeah, he's to play. play, play yeah. He is. He yeah. is. But 
a knee injury and him screaming laying down on the court never looks good. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. So with that happening and just the simple the simple elite defense they've been playing. Or maybe uh, that one player that you keep referring to. Jason fucking Tatum. I mean, not Jason Tatum, but another one on, I think, the the tall. Who is that? The Ageless Wonder. The Ageless Wonder. Al Horford. Al Horford. The Ageless Wonder. So, I'd be scared if I was Golden State right now. That's all I really have to say on my take. Haven't given you can listen to the home. previous episodes. I've been riding with the Boston Celtics since before the playoffs have started. And we're just going to see how this is going to go. They're up 2-1 right now. They took the, far, the first game in uh, Boston. So I believe it's going to go to game seven, like I've been saying. Marlon, mm-hmm. what you got to say about the finals? So I, I definitely will say that going forward, the Celtics had to be had to be feeling really good about themselves. Because this is a team that throughout the playoffs haven't lost back-to-back games when, they, when they've when they lost. So when they lost, they've always come back. They've always answered. When you go back to the Bucks series, they lost game three by 23 points. They went down 2-1, to one, and then they won game four, lost game five, and then won two straight elimination games. In the Miami series, in game five in Miami, they lost that game. Then they win two elimination games to get to the finals. All right. So the Celtics, as Dave has, has said, they've been battle-tested. They're, they're a team that does not lose back-to-back games. They're a team that going forward, as of right now, kind of has the home court advantage. They're up two to one. They have the the another game in Boston tomorrow night. Um, I I still believe in in Steph Curry. I still believe in in Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Now, if the Celtics go on to win it, uh, uh, you know it it is what it is. You're not gonna say it, another apology, are you? No, not at all. I'll just stop talking about basketball altogether. <laughs> that's that, that's the biggest thing, but. I will say, though, that Jason Tatum, in my opinion, throughout these first three games has underperformed, and they're up 2-1. Really? So yeah. that's, nice. that's, 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 that's scary in, in and of itself. Now, if Steph Curry, like you saw last night, at one point they went up by one point, and then they just collapsed when Steve Lost Curry took him out. Lost an 18-point lead, by the way. Who, Boston? Or Golden State. Golden State. I'm almost positive it's the Celtics because they were a majority of the game. Uh, only, regardless, they still the won. the only time the, the the Warriors were ahead was about one point in the fourth quarter. Mm. But when when Steve Kerr took out Steph Curry, kind of just derailed the whole thing. But if Steph and Clay can get going, I still believe in the Warriors and what they have to do, and what they can accomplish on that court. But we cannot talk about this Boston Celtics team without talking about the trade that the Nets made in 2013. What an embarrassment! Let me let me kind of break down this trade in 2013. That this was, were exactly they the Brooklyn or were they the New Jersey Nets in 2013? I think they were Brooklyn. Okay. So let, let's take a, a little blast in the past to 2013. The Nets got in return to a trade from the Celtics: Kevin Garnett, mm. Paul Pierce, Jason Terry, and DJ White. Now you may be asking yourself. Who did, the, who, did, who did Boston get out of it? They got five players. Right. Unnamed players. Who cares? Three first-round picks plus a pick swap. That's where it came in at. In those three first-round picks, 2016 was Jalen Brown. Talk to me nice. And in 2017, it was Jason Tatum. Talk to me sweet. So you could say that this potential NBA Finals team was built by the Nets. And the main reason this podcast says fuck the Nets, because instead, I don't even like considering them a New York team. 
at this point, they're just a New Jersey team. They're the New Jersey Nets through and through. The basement team. They are the they're the bottom favorite. So the Knicks. Yeah, I mean the Knicks. Oh, have, oh, 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 yeah, okay. The Knicks okay. have a better Maybe, fan yeah. base in New York than, Bro- no, than yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah, I'm yeah. not saying competition wise are they better. The, the Nets so called fans only got on whenever Kyrie and Kevin Durant came along. So yeah, I agree with that. So this Boston Celtics team that could potentially come out victorious this summer was all brought to you by the Nets. Great job. I just. It blew my mind when I did my little research on this topic. It's crazy. But I mean, and that's the thing too. You look, you you look at these two franchises right now. Okay, they obviously faced each other when it came to this year's playoffs, and the Celtics swept them. Now I think when Kevin Durant first joined the Nets, he's had one playoff win. He's had one playoff win. Now against the Celtics. But at the same time, though, that trade you made with the Celtics was Jason Tatum, as you said, was Jalen Brown, as you said. And that beat one of the best players in the world in Kevin Durant just recently. Swept them 4 nothing with Kyrie on the court. What an absolute embarrassment. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's all I have to say. When you have to trade for Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Jason Terry, DJ White, who I'm make, pretty sure we're all on the decline. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm almost positive that after they traded for him, Paul Pierce and, and those guys were out two, three years tops. If you're a franchise that's to trade for them to make yourself relevant for a few years to get butts in the seats, that's an embarrassment. Bad. I mean, it's just it's terrible. You got anything to say about this trade? So, like y'all touched on, on June 28, 2013, the Celtics sent their aging cornerstones, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, to the Nets, along with Jason Terry and DJ White. So, it wasn't even about who the Celtics received. It was about the draft picks. Turned into their two fucking all-stars on their team, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So, in 2016... And 2017, that's that's who the picks turned into. So it was one of the, I believe it was one of the 2017 picks they they switched. I believe. Yeah, something like that. They had they had right to switch one of the 2017 picks, and that's who they switched for. Yeah, it was it was, it was a pick swap. Right, and uh, so this past year you have Jalen Brown coming off a campaign in which he averaged 23.6 points and 6.1 rebounds a game, and shooting 47.3 percent from the floor. Then you have Jason Tatum. Earned his third All-Star All-Star year, where he averaged 26.9 points, 6.9 rebounds, and 4.4 assists a game, while winning the inaugural Larry Bird Trophy as the the Eastern Conference Finals MVP. So, there's not much to say about this. Clearly, it's the Celtics that won. Yeah. Um, I think at the time they graded it, the Nets had an A. Right, and the Celtics had a B, and I don't know if y'all remember, but Draymond was talking shit to Paul Pierce and was like, when they played them, was like, they don't love you like Kobe. This ain't your fucking, <laughs> isn't your fucking. What he said? I don't remember. This ain't your said. fucking retirement tour or some shit like that. And uh, so moral of the story, the the Celtics just won, and for the cherry on top, the Celtics swept the Nets on their their road to the NBA Finals this year with. With the players they got with from Jalen Brown, so and that's Taylor. just like that's just a Cinderella story right there. Like you couldn't ask for it to be even more perfect. But now we're gonna move on from that trade, and we're gonna be talking about Zion Williams and his lifespan in New Orleans. 
honestly, nothing good happens in New Orleans when it comes right. to basketball. I don't see them keeping Zion after his rookie contract right. just because that's how New Orleans basketball is played. Maybe they turn that around based off of the results of this season with they're going going six with the Suns without Zion. Now having Zion, I think it helps them. But I just altogether, I just I don't see a future where Zion signs his next contract with New Orleans. I mean, yeah. Um as a fan of the Pelicans, I I would love to have Zion back. Um, and, and sign that contract extension, um, and, and I, I say that he will. Okay, and I'll say this for three reasons. Number one, I think they hit a home run when it came to Willie Green. Okay, when you saw his raw emotions during the playoffs after Game Six and, and their loss to the Suns, the Pelicans have now found their head coach for the future. I think that Zion didn't really like Stan Van Gundy there. Right. And I, I think that that was a big reason why he was dissatisfied had with the organization. Up, had to pop over my butt heavy, man. There you go. So I, I think that the head coach had a lot to do with it. But I think that when it came to Willie Green, that the, the Pelicans hit a home run with him. Right. Number two, I think that the trade for C.J. McCollum has now allowed Zion, C.J., and B.I. to kind of form that big three. Okay. The biggest question mark that Pelicans fans has was whether or not David Griffin – would go out and get that third superstar. Right. The real question was whether you were going to pair Zion and B.I. together with another superstar. And I think they did that with C.J. McCollum. And I think that that's going to allow Zion to say, you know what? I like where I'm at. I like C.J. I like B.I. Let's build something here. Okay. And then lastly is the young talent that he has around him. Okay. We never questioned the youth of the team. We always knew that they were a young team. And the, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Grand Theft Alvarado, yeah, 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 Longman, you threw me on him. Yeah, I, he's the truth, bro. Yeah. He's gonna be a rising star. The only question mark we had about that youth was the developmental aspect of it. Okay, whether or not David Griffin, whether or not Willie Green, or even Stan Van Gundy could develop that young talent. Okay, when you have guys like Herbert Jones, Valanciunas, Jose Alvarado, Grand Theft Alvarado, as you just mentioned, Trey Murphy, Jackson Hayes, and much more. This is a team that's. Not the flashiest or has the flashiest roles the flashiest role players. But they're guys that have a lot of heart. They have a lot of dedication to their craft. And they're gonna go out there and they're gonna translate that into wins. And we saw that down the road. When Grant Theft Alvarado and Jose Alvarado there he goes. And, and Herbert Jones and all those guys stepped right. up, we saw just how effective that, that Pelicans team could be. And I, I have to give credit to the Pelicans. I said this in a previous episode, but I believe they showed the world how to guard the point guard. They shot. They shut down Chris Paul when they played the Suns. I mean, I agree. And that was a huge help for the for the Mavericks too. Right. You know, yeah. it kind of slowed down. It slowed down the Suns for the Mavericks. Definitely put a hold. Definitely helped them out. But we move on to KD. Does do you think KD regrets leaving Golden State? A thousand percent. I, I I think that there's no question about that. He regrets leaving Golden State. He regrets leaving Steph and Clay and Draymond and those guys. As I said earlier, since joining the joining the Nets in 2019, Kevin Durant has one playoff win, just one. And a good majority of us would recognize Kevin Durant as one of the greatest shooters and one of the greatest basketball players to ever live. However, he has one playoff win. 
since joining the Nets in 2019. And that was against the Boston Celtics. Right. When Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and those guys were rookies or they were young guns, that's now passed. Okay. You get swept this year by the Boston Celtics. Okay. And against those Celtics, as we saw against Giannis last year, we have seen, you know, the Bucks and we've seen the Celtics kind of expose the Nets for what they really are. Right. They're a team that doesn't have the firepower to go out and to get the job done. They don't have that firepower to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals or even the NBA Finals as a whole. See, and I, I wouldn't even say they don't have the firepower. I say they don't have the chemistry and the defense. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and that's the biggest thing for me is that the Warriors, whenever Kevin Durant left, it almost seems like, you know, it. not saying that it was a challenge for them to move on without them, but they've been in the NBA playoffs six of the past eight years. They were just in the Western Conference Finals a few weeks ago. They're now in the NBA Finals without Kevin Durant, and Kevin Durant lost out in the first round this year. Kevin Durant's goal, as I assume, has always been to win a championship. Now, when you leave Golden State, the question then became is can you do it on your own? Right. Can you win with maybe Kyrie? Or can you do it without Steph, without Clay, without Draymond? And without those guys... Can he win a championship and without them? The answer is it's, it's been no. The only thing that Kevin Durant has been good at for the last few years is getting on Twitter. The only good thing that he's been for... <laughs> Making burner accounts. Yeah, is 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 quote-tweeting a bunch of his, his former teammates. The only good thing that Kevin Durant has has, has for him in the, pa- the past few years is talking behind the phone. Right. And that's all that he will be known Pussy for his time bitch, with... bitch, you snake bitch, yeah. you. And that's all he will be known for his time with the Brooklyn Nets. See, what I'm really upset about is that my phone was lagging the whole time because I had a really good transition. I put, does KD regret leaving the Golden State, referring to California? I had a play on words, and now I'm really upset about it. But regardless. Shit happens. Can't go back. Regardless, he left a fully built team to a crumbling franchise. No. No. Yes. No, not fully built. Golden State, you don't think they were fully built at that time? I think think they were partially built and partially bought. I don't think they were bought. Bought. I think he was the only who was the only person that was bought. Wiggins. Who are you talking about? Kevin Durant, Andrew Wiggins. They were. I mean, maybe Wiggins. Two two players bought. Clay and Steph, your your cornerstone, Steph Curry. Right. They weren't bought. Drafted. They were built. I know. So you left a almost built team, almost fully built team, to leave to a franchise that you wanted to be the star of, which you did not. A crumbling franchise. Someone that would trade potentially two future picks that are now in the finals. That franchise. You you left Golden State for that franchise. That's insane. He does not look like he's having fun in Brooklyn. No. Obviously. He he wanted James Harden. He wanted Kyrie. And now James Harden's gone. Kyrie could just do whatever Kyrie wants, whether he likes it or not. And his three reasons for leaving Golden State were he wanted change in Golden State, that which, they, which they're not going to do because you're not no. the, you're not the you're not the piece that they're building around. No. Steph Curry is. Steph Curry is. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. He wanted. He felt like somewhat of an outsider, which he was because he was not the cornerstone. He was of that the team. only one brought in. So you are the odd one out when it comes to that. And he did not like how the team handled his situation with Draymond Green, which. Tough shit. You're going to meet people you don't like. And, th- and that's the, the thing for me is that 
even when they got into that beef, he was kind of, you know, he was kind of blaming it on Draymond. Like, you're, like you said, you're going to have people that you're going to disagree with. That's life. Whenever you go into a job, you're going to, you're, you're not going to like everybody. But it's up to you to be able to get past those differences. It's up to you to be able to get past those differences and win a championship in his regard. Right. And he's such a big talent to that team. He needed to get over that. Right. Yeah. He, he was he his, w- he was a good part of the championship caliber team. Yeah, his ego just got in the way right. of it. So I wanna say this. Um I wanna backtrack a little bit for when he left OKC. So you're up three one against the Golden State Warriors and you go to the team you lose to. You ultimately lose to that go to the finals, you know. Um I believe that was a pussy ass move. It's still fuck KD. It's still fuck the Nets. It's still, still. fuck that snake bitch. Everything. But at the end of the day, do, should he regret leaving Golden State? No. Because he has a right to do it in his own way. But even though that his own way didn't work out, he should he should not regret leaving Golden State. He should regret going to Brooklyn. Yeah. That's my whole point. So, he should have went to a scheme that favored him. So, at the time, a scheme that favored him was the New York Knicks. And that's a relatively same situation. Mm-hmm. You're going into a team to restart. You're the corner piece they're going to build around. Mm-hmm. And so, whether we could go back and forth on whether the next, the Nets build has worked or not. But at the end of the day, he needs Kyrie because he needs another superstar with him. And the Steve Nash head coach move was a publicity stunt. You simply used that man's name because he was a former point guard to coach the Nets. I don't think anything good is going to come out of Steve Nash being the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Mm-mm. I mean, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong, but he's not a coach. He was a great player, yes. But a coach, no. And that's all I have to say on that topic. Yeah. I mean, we we kind of see that, too, with some players that have been former players transitioning to head coaching, and it just hasn't worked out. And that's okay. But at that time, that's with not With the exception what, of Steve Kerr. Yeah. At that time, that's not what the Nets needed. That's not what Kevin Durant. That's not what um, Kyrie. Um, that's not what James Harden needed. You know, they needed somebody that was going to build them up, that was going to allow them to, to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, to get to the NBA Finals. And they just didn't find that coach. I agree. So we today we don't have a hard-hitting MLB topic to bring to you, even though those are my favorite to ruffle some feathers. Mm. But we will be talking about a little minor beef that happened while I was gone, while we were gone, was the Jock Peterson and Tommy Fan beef. Boy, that shit had me weak as fuck. So I want to touch on this. This Jock Peterson beefing with Tommy Fam, that shit is hilarious. Over a fantasy football league debate. Yep. That's like, okay, so if y'all don't know, we usually, we hold an annual fo- fantasy football league between our friends. Mm-hmm. And this motherfucker sitting across from me, Tyler Longman, will always draft the two best running backs and just run the league. So Time that's up. like me losing to him and walking up to him and slapping the shit out of him. It's not my fault y'all can't draft. That, <laughs> Fuck you. I come in Fuck second you. every year. You're right. You're right I come in second every year. That's, and that's why I took a break from fantasy this year. Fuck you. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I feel like that is just so fucking childish. And I've, I I truly laughed at when that video went viral on Twitter. I just think it's 
dumb. That's a, that's all I have to say is that it's dumb. But how fitting is it that is the Reds? You know, <laughs> I like, know, like the worst team in baseball. You know, they they recently lost a game after throwing a no hitter, and then this happens. They're the worst team in baseball. The Fuck slap, the, the slap also looked nonchalant too. Like he just walked to him, you know, he just slapped him, you know, just kind of casual about it. All I'm gonna say about it is the the Reds are gonna Reds. You know, that's, that's, like we that's, said last that's all episode, I can say the Reds it. are gonna Reds. Um, like, you know, what, what Dave had said about the fantasy football thing. I also read that, or I seen, that I was about a group message that they had. And apparently, Jock Peterson made a joke about one of his former teammates on, on the Padres. Or, I'm sorry, about Tommy Pham's former uh, former teammates on the Padres. And that's kind of what it sparked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know, but it, it was kind of funny scene. I mean, you know, when I, I watched the video, I was like... Ain't no way that happened. I was laughing my ass. I was slapped him in the fucking right field. I, was like, I believe. I was like, that's gotta be a publicity for stunt too. For yeah. warm, yeah, wasn't it BP? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, that's gotta be a pu- publicity stunt. And then he came out. I was like, yeah, it was about some fantasy thing. I'm like, ain't no way you slapped that man over a fantasy football. But it was like discussion. Like, so, there's no way. So I heard what Jock Peterson had to say. He said, "Oh, it's because one of my players got hurt, got on the IR, so I put him there and then I replaced him." And and he just got mad at it like like bro that's just how fantasy works like yeah sorry that jock peterson's a good commissioner to his fantasy you know, you know who he must he must have had who guess no guess no i'm not guessing we we we, we will move on to the next topic I will okay, let's, the move final topic. Let's, let's move on to the next topic. <laughs> oh another person that got hit with a random stray bullet from this conversation was Mike Trout. Mike Trout, like, did you really? Mike, throughout this whole conversation, everyone was throwing shade and throwing Mike Trout under the bus for being the worst commissioner in fantasy football history. I'm sorry that this guy takes his off season by making himself a better baseball player. Yeah, like okay, I'm you're right. I'm sorry he's getting paid 425 million dollars. Exactly. You know what I mean? like, I'm sorry. Sorry. Can, has before. has somebody broken that down by seconds yet? I mean, I'm sure they have. Oh yeah. I just don't have that pulled yeah. up. In Dude. Me. That's just That's insane. insane. Oh yeah, because I know, I know, like Patrick Mahomes' contract, he was getting paid like a dollar and sixty cents per second on yeah. that contract. What another thing is that he's by far one in, once in a generation talent in Mike Trout, so he's gonna help himself more than he's gonna help his fantasy football franchise be a better, better uh, person, better player for his team. Even I though, would and, like. He just Make that ra- fucking bread, bro. He Make that bread, a- get that head, then leave, like they said. I just felt bad for him because he just caught a random stray like that. But besides that, we move on to our final topic. We thank you all for stu- staying tuned for so long. It's been a longer episode today because I was out last week. But now we move on to our final topic, our final takes. We're going to start with Tyler Longman in our, in our final take. Let's go. I'm going to need like 10 minutes on my, my final one. Okay, no, but he's been building it up all week. Let's I'll, hear it. I, I was going to say something about a particular somebody that these two guys brought up last episode. Oh, yeah? However, I'm, 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 I'm going to leave that for the next episode. I want to talk about LSU baseball for a second. Let's hear it. First, first, I'm going to start off on a positive note. JJ. I want to give Jay Johnson props. I mm-hmm. wouldn't say it was an A-plus season. I definitely think you know it was a, it was a B season. Going forty and twenty-two. That's passing. With the bad pitching that he inherited, one one win away from hosting a super regional. By the way, however, I want to make something very clear. Whether you're a USM fan or whether you dislike LSU sports in general, I want you to be aware of the fact that USM in that regional was the better team. Talk to him. 
However, you're not a good baseball team. Nope. You're just not. You have good pitching. You have good offense. But whenever it comes to pu- when, it, when when push comes to shove, I'd rather have my offense over yours. Mm. Now, when you talking about the bullpen and the pitching staff, that's one thing. But you're not a good baseball team. You know, like I said, you have a deeper bullpen. You gain the upper hand on LSU. However, offensively, LSU looked good. And then times, you know, they didn't look good. But overall, I would take LSU over USM. Definitely. What did USM prove in that regional? Tell LSU fans. We already knew that the bullpen was bad or was on its last leg. We knew that the starting rotation wasn't good. We knew that the offense could put up big numbers. What exactly did you prove? You know, you had a 6-2 lead against LSU in, the, in game two. You lost that in the ninth inning and lost in the tenth inning. You came back and won two games. Great. Congrats. You, you, you had a deep bullpen. And that's what LSU kind of got exposed of. They didn't have a good bullpen. According to my dad and Jacob, they had the second best bullpen in, in all of college baseball. That's wild. And they almost still blew it to LSU. Yeah. It's just their defense was so bad, bro. Like, so bad. Their fielding was horrible. This is his final take. But that, oh, that pitching staff wasn't impressive to me in that regional. They could have been the second in the nation. I just wasn't impressed by it. And how fitting was it that in the last game, they scored on a pass ball and they scored on a misplay bunt? What a fucking cardiac tiger. Caused, <laughs> caused them th- cost them three runs in the 8-7 to seven loss. It's hard to win when you have the bases loaded and you can't produce a run. It's hard when you can't throw strikes out of the bullpen. It's hard when you can't make routine plays. Right. That's nothing on USM. That's everything that LSU has self-inflicted on themselves. You can talk about USM and they were a national seed and things like that, but every run you scored was self-inflicted on LSU and what they couldn't do on the field. It's okay? hard. It's hard to win when you kill yourself. Yeah, right. absolutely. You shoot yourself in the fucking foot. Like when Drew Brianko strikes out with the bases loaded, whenever Devin Fondo, a senior pitcher, can't make a routine play on a bunt, that kills you. Okay. The next point I have is what of a, a waste of a year it was when you get guys like Barry. Gervais, Razelman, Cooper, and all these other guys to go along with Dylan Cruz, with Kay Doty, with Trey Morgan. And we witnessed firsthand what an absolute waste of Kay Doty and, and Jacob Berry that we had. Like, in that regional, we just wasted that entire season. Horrible. And if LSU doesn't make a run next year, it's going to be another waste of Dylan Cruz. A superstar talent in Dylan Cruz at LSU – Louisiana State University couldn't even make it to Omaha. What a waste. And then lastly, what an absolute disgrace of USM baseball for dogpiling when they won a regional. That's like if Save we... Save that for the championship, bro. That's like if we won... Save that for the super. ...to go to Sulphur in high school and we dogpiled. What does that prove? You won a regional... Congrats. You were supposed to. You hosted the regional. <laughs> Congratulations. You were supposed to go there. Not a super regional. How about that? How, how about you act like you've been there before? Oh, wait. Before you answer that, I already know. You were constantly playing LSU <laughs> in, pre, in previous years in these different regionals. Congratulations to USM Baseball on finally becoming relevant. Mm. Mm. It was nothing that you did. It's what LSU couldn't do and what they self-inflicted on themselves. Mm. That's all I have to say about that. That was heavy. That was Damn. heavy. Damn. Right. So, I guess we're moving. All right. So, 
my final take. Oh, you want me to say more? No. No. Welcome back. To, <laughs> welcome no. back to my final take, which is basically just Yankee talk. So here we go. First off, like to say that Yankees still the best team in baseball. It's been a week and a half. Still the best team in baseball. First team to forty wins. Ah. Uh, we just got off of a seven-game losing streak. Now I want to see the Rockies. Swept the Tigers. Swept the Angels. As I just said, first team to forty wins. They are. Here's here's a fun stat, Dave. You ready for this? What's that? Since long with muted, they are fourteen and seven against rank or teams above five hundred. Mm. Teams with a winning record. They're, that's second best in the league behind the Dodgers, who've only played, who are I think ten and four against teams with above five hundred record. Now I could go and say because I did write down how. Two of our other teams that we follow. You know what? Matter of fact, let's hear it. Let's hear it, bro. I mean, sorry to throw you under the bus, but the Rockies are 5-13 and 13 against teams above 500. Fuck you. Let's not hear it. And the Astros are 8-7 and seven against teams above 500. Ooh. So, also, also, I have a 9.5 lead in the Hale West. Yeah, the, a- the NFC East of baseball. Mm. Yeah. Damn. Congratulations. <laughs> what's, what's, what, how, how, how far are you NFC having yours? East. We're like a 6.5 Oh, oh wait, but earlier in the year, the you, oh, but earlier in the year, you weren't worried about the Rays or anybody else. You were like, "Oh, this is a cakewalk in this division." Still not. And you're only up six games. Is that what just six and a half? Mm. Yeah, against a team. Got it. Against three other teams that are above. Wait, so y'all, y'all in a six and a half game lead against first against they four are. teams that are above five hundred. Yes. No, 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 now they are. That's a hard debate right there. No, now they are. Because earlier in the year, when they were below five hundred, we kind of downplayed it. But now that they're over five hundred, we can. The we, we can have, flaunt them. The that's, Yankees that's okay, have been though. above 500 that's, that's, for two that's, months now. That's, that's like that's like me flaunting the Angels when they were above 500. That's ridiculous. It is early in the season. What we have 165 games. It's, it's 162. 162. And, and we're almost 60 in, above 60 in. We still got 100 more games to go, bro. But but I shout him out for doing this well early in the season. But I digress. Judge is still looking like an MVP. He's leading the Yankees and. Right. Average home runs and RBIs. He's and dangerous. Nestor is looking like he will be starting the a the All Star game. Adam, I want to I want to bring attention to this. Um, all y'all listeners that are listening to on the streaming apps, y'all can't see this, but Adam is rocking the stash. Oh yeah, is that in support of Nestor Cortez? Let's in, hear it right now. So I actually I forgot to mention this. It was supposed to be on my final take that I have been rocking this stash since the second week of the season. Right. I rocked it all through my vacation. Got a couple compliments from it. Hey. So, love loving the stash and to support Nestor Cortez Jr. is all. I'm all for it. That's what it is. So, I'm trying to get this stash all the way through October. That's my final take. Got that. Um, So, I want to start off my final take like... uh. I don't know if a lot of y'all viewers watch the WWE yet, but Cody Rose winning a match against Seth Rollins with a torn peg. That was insane. I did see pictures of him with his torn that peg. That was wild, bro. His whole shoulder was swollen and purple. Like, it was it insane. It looked ugly. So I want to give him props on that. Even though it may be scripted, it may not. Who who gives a fuck? You going out there and performing an athletic event with a torn pectoral muscle. Mm-hmm. I got to give it to you. Um, the YSL case is not looking good for Gunner and Young, and young Thug. Uh, their, bond, their bond was denied twice. 
uh, Gunna is looking like he's having a lean withdrawal in prison. Um, you can say that KFC. Yeah, he's that Jack Harlow pack. He was he was talking facts on on, on drip on drip season four. Mm-hmm. He was talking facts. He was talking facts. Uh, Johnny Depp officially won his trial. Let's go! Shout yeah, out yeah. to Johnny Depp. Fuck Amber Turd. Fifteen uh, million. Longman, you want to you want to cut in real fast? I'm, I'm, I'm going after you. Million okay. dollars to JD. Um, Kevin Gates has just dropped a super gremlin remix. If y'all ain't listened to it yet, it's very very intense. Yeah. Um. <laughs> lastly, I want to say follow our Instagram page for more news and updates at two nd dot official. Um, Lawman, you want to give the closing remarks on this episode? Yeah. Before we we finish off the segment i want adam to be aware that the, over the last month the yankees have played the rangers the blue jays the white Sox twice the rays the angels the orioles twice and the tigers so less than that was teams over 500 so if you want to flaunt about your record and everything that you else They're you, you other right have, now congratulations congratulations yes, so i want to close off this episode with saying that we have big things in plan for the second take podcast as in our next event is episode 10, which will be filmed at KOK Wings and Things in Lafayette, Louisiana, yeah, with yeah. the CEO mm, yes and co founder, co owner, Corey Ragboy McCoy. He will be on here taking Big taking out. these takes into account and giving his opinion, especially on his Philadelphia Eagles. We will be, um, oh, questioning, be questioning him about his wide receiver room and very much more. Uh, so, we. We definitely want to thank y'all for tuning in. Stay tuned for merchandise, um, sponsorships, and definitely follow the Instagram page. And we'll see y'all later.